Men's Alliance is a growing movement of tribes meeting weekly for a rugged outdoor workout and a real-world devotion around a fire. We're flipping tires, swinging sledgehammers, talking about real struggles, and getting pushed physically and spiritually to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be. We'll get you out of isolation, out of your comfort zone, and into something tribal, rugged, and real. place here. I'm going to pull up my text from you with those good questions on it. Welcome to the Men's Alliance podcast. I'm Dave Mills, call sign Goose, and with me here today, back with me here today, is Mike Flynn. Mike, welcome on to the show. It's good to have you back for, um, if you have not heard it, go back and listen to episode 119 it is called relationship advice with Mike Flynn. And that's the one that, uh, Mike and I did back in February that one came out. So Mike is, um, from episode 119 and he's back on today as we have our part two of our discussion on mental health with American men and Last week on, we had Sunshine and Chewy and Ranger, and we had guys talking about their personal experiences with different uh, mental health issues. And so today we brought on the professional. We got Mike here to give us the uh, the professional view of what's going on with American men and what are the struggles. So Mike, just uh, start us off with your your overview here of of what's what's happening what's going on if with mental health and american men well w- one thing that's going on that's good is that american men are uh deciding that it's okay that you can be a real man a healthier more whole man and talk to people about your difficulties and of course we always uh, in days your ministry men's alliance we always emphasize you need to be on team. You're not designed to be the Lone Ranger. And, of course, we always say the Lone Ranger had Tonto and, and his horse, Silver, right? That's right. So the Lone Ranger wasn't even alone. He wasn't alone. Uh, but men need men. And nobody would try to get a football in the end zone by themselves, or most people wouldn't try. And we need guys. So I wanted to start out by talking about water surface tension. All right. <laughs> and I was I was at a body of water the other day with my engineering son and he was explaining to his kids about why insects could walk on water. And I started thinking about water surface tension and the miracle of Jesus walking on water in uh, Matthew chapter 14 and throughout the gospels. So what happened was uh, uh the, the the disciples and Jesus had been working hard and as Jesus often did he said, hey, guys, you're worn out. Get out of here. Go, go, go rest. I'm going to go up in the mountains and pray. And they left, and he stayed behind and, and to, to, to say goodbye to the crowd. And in other words, what Jesus learned how to do was to take care of himself and his guys. Yeah. And they needed that. And that's our role model. If that's all you had in Scripture, there's the model right there. You're not created to be walking around alone. Yeah. yeah. So he had his team. He had his tribe. He had his buddies. But he also knew— how to send them on and 
get his alone time. Over and over in Scripture, you see it. And it was right after he was told that his best buddy, John the Baptist, was dead. Mm. That's when he got his alone time. And he didn't spend himself ministering to all the needy crowd. He ministered to them and then sent them home. He knew when to say no. (laughs) He had boundaries. He had boundaries, and he had a team, and he had a mission. And so he went up and he prayed, and then he came down, and and, uh, he walked across the water to greet the guys that were fearful because of the high wind. And, of course, Peter has to be the smart guy and the wise guy. And Peter says, hey, if you're really Jesus, ask me to walk out here to meet you. Jesus says, come on. <laughs> Come on, big boy. Yeah. And the big boy walks out and of course looks at the wind and falls in the water and gets wet. Now, why did Jesus walk on the water on the water surface tension? Why did that miracle occur? And why did Peter get wet? Because Peter's not Jesus. <laughs> and yeah. you are not Jesus. You and I are not Jesus. They have a saying in AA, there's a God and it's not me. Yeah. And that's where we have to get to reality of who we are and not beat ourselves up because we're not Jesus. Yeah. Jesus spends a lot of time off by himself, but he always comes back to his, to his band of brothers too. There's that constant going and coming. He doesn't ever stay isolated. Right. He doesn't stay over there by himself. He comes back and he doesn't always stay with the group. He goes off, you know, and prays by himself. So there's that dichotomy. There is. And he tells them, uh, you know, you need to go take care of yourselves. You guys, you need to rest up. He, he, he gives them instructions and we need to be recipients, givers and take receivers of instructions. But that doesn't happen in isolation unless yeah. you're in position to give and receive. Uh, there's some very important things that occur between men, but they don't occur if you're staring at a phone or a TV yeah. when you ought to be with the guys. Yeah, you know, I think... There's a there's a problem with a, a lot of men of a need to um, to try to impress people, and that leads to men saying yes to too many things, right? And putting too much on their plate because they want to impress everybody and they want to be the guy, right? And they're like, oh yeah, I'll take that on. Yep, I can do that, you know. And we got to get better at yeah. disappointing some people. Exactly right. Saying no. And and I give that same message, by the way, to pastors. Mm. I meet with a lot of pastors every week, and I tell them what you just said, mm-hmm. that they have to give themselves permission to say no to a lot of people. You know, Peter Scazzaro, who wrote so many books on emotionally healthy spirituality and yep. emotionally healthy church, Peter Scazzaro has this famous saying, there are no boundary breakers. There are only boundary makers. Mm-hmm. And he tells the story of how Thursdays is his Sabbath rest with his wife. And one Wednesday evening, a lady came into his office and said, my husband and I have to see you tomorrow, which would have been his Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. And uh, our marriage is in a complete crisis. And he said, well, how long has your marriage been a problem? She said, the last three years. He said, I'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, (laughs) that's a great question. How long has this been going on? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um, so men have to be realistic about who they are and what their needs are. And it's more manly to do that and to be whole and have strength than it is to think that you're trying to be something that you're not. What are some of the maybe unrealistic expectations that you see men kind of impose on themselves? Well, one would be that uh, perfectionism. 
that uh, that I can't. So if you have sat under theology that tells you that your connection to God is based on your performance, you're not going to be realistic with yourself, and you're not going to be have realistic expectations of others. Mm. Uh, so that's a killer. That's poison to the soul. That idea that my connection to God is based on my my behavior, my performance, as um, as John Eldridge said in his book Wild at Heart so many years ago, mm-hmm. Christian men, it is not your job to be nice. Yeah, it's your job to be real. That's good. And if you're real, then you the one way to be real, and we can talk about that later in this interview, is to have other guys speaking into your life. We have to start with understanding that we're broken. Our parents were broken. Ever since Adam and Eve, the human race is broken. It's not what it was designed. You know, elders wrote another book called All Things New, a very current book about the renewed earth, where there's not going to be brokenness. But guys, we're in a broken world. There used to be a psychological uh, theory, a book called I'm okay and you're okay, oh, but, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. And now I said that was the biggest bunch of horse manure I ever heard. <laughs> the book I'm going to write is I'm not okay, you're not okay, <laughs> but that's okay if you know Jesus. That's awesome. I like uh, what you said about the nice guy thing. I want to come back to that. So that's something that I think we say uh, quite a bit in Men's Alliance but I don't think um, necessarily everybody um, gets it. And so when we talk about the difference between a nice guy and what I'll call a great man, right? So we don't want to be a nice guy. We want to be a great man. Um, I'll tell you what I think that means to me. Then you chime in with your, your thoughts to me, nice guys, my um, kind of my, stereotype on what that means is a nice guy is a guy who wants to say yes to everybody or wants to please everybody. He's the, he's the people pleaser. He's trying to be liked. He's trying to be popular. Um, and he doesn't want people to think badly of him. Mm -hmm. And I think that can lead, that's a dangerous road that leads men to burnout. Um, where as the great man, he doesn't care what anybody thinks about him. He's going to do what's right. And I think if he's the nice guy, then he's not going to be real with his wife. He's mm. not going to have anything to give his buddies that's that's in, with any depth. It's going to be all superficial, nicey-nice, nothing real. And he's not going to be a good dad because you're not your kid's friend. Yeah, that's a good one, right? A nice guy wants to not offend. Right. So you're not going to call your buddies out. Nope. You're, you're going to just play it safe. And you're, you're right. You're going to play it safe with what you say to them, and you're not going to reveal your weaknesses because then they're not going to think you're nice. It's the uh, So I'll just have to say it. I said, told myself I wasn't going to say this. Oh, this is going to be good. That's the guy that shows up at church in pink shirt and Bermuda shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I knew shorts were about to come up. You were about to bring up shorts. But anyway, we won't get off on that too much. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wearing shorts right now in case you didn't, you couldn't see this. This is like the worst thing you can do around Mike Flint. Um, it's the feminization of our society. But anyway, I won't get into that. Yeah, it takes a strong man to wear a pink shirt. Yeah, that's something like that. <laughs> All right, so um, let's go back to kind of talking about um, theology because that is a big one. Yeah. You know, how does, how can a guy's, incorrect theology you touched on this earlier 
just explain it a little more. How can a how can a poor theology impact our mental health? Very, very directly. So, you know, I did counseling for fifty one years, and uh, I a little bit of experience, a little bit, and I can't tell you how many church guys showed up who um, either they were real wimpy and they blamed God for everything bad happening, and they were mad at God because life was real. Life is what it is, but they were mad at God about it. And I thought that's poor theology there. That's not understanding the sovereignty of God, Mm. not understanding your place. The other poor theology that really is damaging is that this idea that performance-based acceptance from God. It would be like me saying to you, Dave, hey, do you only love your kids when they're behaving? And of course not. Of course, you love them even when they screw up, and that's. I would a, never. I would never love them. <laughs> <laughs> nor would our. Yeah, nor would our parents. That's, that's have, right. Yeah, have loved us, and so God loves you even more than all of that. And and there are expectations in response to that love. It's a responsiveness. The reason God talks about marriage in the same model that our relationship is with God is that we notice the love. And and that God gives us, and we respond to it by by wanting to serve Him, and and so if we think that um, we are uh, judged by God based on our performance and our connection to Him is what I mean to say is based on that, we're not going to be able to be honest about our faults. And I've and I've seen guys who sat under that kind of teaching in the first few years of their uh, belief, uh, their system as a believer, their life as a believer. And they can't get it out of their mind. Even if they sit in good theology for 20 more years, that's still in the background in their mind, that legalistic performance-based, and they take it in. I think that they those guys actually seek out jobs that are based on that. They mm. seek out a spouse that treats them that way in those patterns and, and friends. It just runs your life. So it's hard to get that out of your head. It's very uh, damaging. It's destructive. So when you notice, if you're trying to walk away from that and you're trying to understand God's sovereignty, then get around other men who understand that. And quite frankly, as you do, those guys who have the legalistic orientation, they're not going to want to be around you, and you're going to drift away like a guy who gets better at golfing is all of a sudden playing with more skilled golfers. Because a lot of what we do in life— Drifts away from his old crowd. Yeah, and the crowd doesn't really want you there anyway because you're thinking differently. And you're 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 a different kind of guy, and it's going to change who you are. Um, you know, there's some pretty staggering statistics about anxiety and depression among men in America. Uh, we do know that men don't show up at mental health centers as often as women and as freely, so the stats aren't really that accurate. But we do we do hear that there are at least a number of six million American men at any given time, and that seems like a low number to me in with depression and a lot more, a lot higher number with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting that for men in America, generalized anxiety disorders, the first group and, okay. and uh, a very various panic disorders are second, but you know, what's third is social anxiety. Really? Yeah. And so it's a large number of uh, American men who are intimidated uh, to interact with other people. So you got to fight through that. Just like fighting depression is something you have to fight. You can't give into it. And the same thing with anxiety. These are the two major mental health. There's a lot of mental health disorders we could talk about, but anxiety and depression are the big ones in, in the numbers between men and women. 
And incidentally, boys between age 13 and 17, uh, 26% of American boys can uh, list uh, symptoms of anxiety and or depression uh, in, in a counseling session, and 38% of girls. So it's a, you know we're, the numbers are creeping up. And if you have an anxiety disorder uh, as a boy and there's not some sort of intervention in your life, you're going to take it into your adult life, and that's going to drive all your relationships. Wow. Man, so we took a uh, survey. I mentioned this in um, uh, last week's Part 1 podcast, but we took a survey of Men's Alliance guys. Okay. And 59% of our uh, respondents to our survey um, say that they have anxiety. 59%. That was the, um, we, we asked about anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. addiction, loneliness, and suicide. Mm-hmm. We asked about all those things. And the highest one that came back was anxiety. Yeah. Over over half of our guys struggle with anxiety. And we didn't sparse that out uh, between generalized and, and social and whatnot. But um, that, you know, that mirrors yeah. the, the national statistic that you just, that you just quoted as well. Um, I think that the, you know, this is just my opinion. This is my perspective here, but I feel like a lot of guys, um, feel like social anxiety is not manly. Right. It's, it's, uh, because, you know, we, we all kind of want to be that real stand up guy, that alpha male, that John Wayne character. He doesn't have social anxiety. Right. And so what we do instead is we make up excuses, uh, usually in the form of I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah. Uh, oh, my kids have a, a game. That's the lie that guys yeah. tell, tell themselves. I, uh, two, two things. Uh, uh, one is that, um, I, every guy that's ever come to a men's Alliance event has had to not do something else that could have been done. Yeah. And perhaps his wife wanted him to do, or his, pastor wanted him to do or his brother. But in order to have the kind of accountability and encouragement, the two things men need from each other are accountability plus encouragement. Yeah. In order to have that, you have to say no and don't and not do some other good things. Which requires you to not be a nice guy. It requires you to be real. <laughs> That's right. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to disappoint somebody. You're gonna have to say no to somebody. Yeah, yeah. You can't be all things to all people trying to be the nice guy. Sometimes you got to say, no, honey, I'm going to men's Alliance tonight. But then you, but then you figure out a way to do what needs to be done at mm-hmm. home. Sure. You're not saying don't do the things Ever. that need to <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but you, you have to eat, you have to sleep and you have to be with the guys. And you know what else you have to do? If you're a good husband, you need to figure out every way you can to make it easy for your wife to have time with her girlfriends. That's right. Because one thing you can't be your wife's girlfriend. Yeah. And she can't be your buddy, man. That's yeah. What's your, what's your opinion on that? Mike, whenever you hear a guy say that he's married to his best friend, I I go, there's a problem there. (laughs) Okay. Now my, my wife is my best girlfriend. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I like to refer to her as my girlfriend because it sounds more fun than wife. Heck yeah. And it's a good reminder to people that you don't stop dating your wife. That's exactly right. She's my girlfriend and my wife. And the nice thing is they look identical and they have the same name. (laughs) 
but she can never be my buddy and I can never be her girlfriend. Yeah. When I hear guys say that their wife is their best friend, I think, bro, you need, you need some new friends. You your wife friend. should be your wife. Exactly. He right. Might, and you might need, need some a buddies. shot of testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need some buddies. Okay. So this is, this is great stuff. So I feel like, you know, ever since starting men's Alliance and spending more time around groups of guys who were um, maybe for their first time leading a devotion, I've become more aware of the anxiety issues that a lot of guys have. A guy will lead a great devotion at a men's Alliance. And I would never have guessed that that guy has anxiety. He did it. He did an incredible job. And then afterwards he goes, Oh man, I'm glad that's over. I was, I've been nervous all week and I get such anxiety around a group and I, you know, just being around the group again, I'm, I'm becoming more aware of how common that is. Right. And I think a lot of guys, they think that they're the only one, right? They yeah, think yeah, everybody right. else here is fine except for me. And that's part of it right there. Once you learn, this is goes back to our first talk, part of our talk today. Once you understand what's real about humanity, about your brokenness and what's a realistic expectation to have of yourself and others, guess what? That changes your parenting. If you have that sort of idea towards your friends and you expect them to be real and you tell your kids, hey, you know what? I got mad today and this is what happened or I got sad today and you're real with your kids. And uh, if you don't mind me breaching your confidentiality, I just overheard you talking to your oldest son on the phone and you were real with him. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the deal, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Yeah. But if you can't be honest about your own brokenness and your own weakness as a human being, you can't give that to somebody else, your kids or your friend or your wife. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is the place you start is you start by being real with yourself. Exactly. And then you're real with your buddies and your wife. You start being real with yourself and then real with others. And And it's kind of a cyclical thing because... You know, the early church fathers said that unless you understand who you are, you can't understand your relationship with God. Mm. That's powerful. So so let's talk a minute about how do you get real? Okay. And there's a first of all is understanding the the appropriateness of it and the need for it. And it's it it's it is tied to your spiritual maturity. You cannot be spiritually mature and emotionally immature. Say that again. <laughs> you can never gain spiritual maturity if you're emotionally mature. Why do so many ministry leaders have moral failures? Because they're emotionally immature. Yeah. And I think this is this is like we're we're hitting the roots of, of a lot of issues right now, right? A lot of guys are so emotionally immature yep. that you can't tell them no or they pout. Right. They, they do silly things because it's like they never grew up, but yet they're, they're putting tremendous amounts of work and effort into growing spiritually. They're trying to do all this stuff growing spiritually. They might even be pastors. Right. And, and they're trying to grow spiritually and emotionally. That's the thing that's holding them back. So what I'm hearing from you is, you know, we're talking about mental health and how that relates. You're, you're coming right in to this with theology. Mm-hmm. and bad theology. And now we're talking about the connectedness of spiritual maturity with emotional maturity. Right. So if we're to grow emotionally, which is what we're all trying to do here, 
this is connected to growing spiritually and vice versa. Absolutely. It's uh, you could even say this long sentence, attending men's Alliance or any other ministry similar to that, Mm -hmm. where people can be real. That process participates in the process of sanctification in the life of the believer. Wow. That's a long sentence. Yeah, but boy, that's big. That's true, right? Sanctification, of course, is the uh, the ongoing lifelong process of <laughs> becoming more Christ-like. Exactly. Right? So we've got for just, you know, unpack that for a second for our listeners, right? You've got justification, right? which is a one-time event that takes place when you accept Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. We would, we would refer to that as becoming a Christian, right? Right. That's the Christianese, right? This is a, this is a moment. This is a one-time event where you say, God, I'm accepting you as my savior. I want your death on the cross to count in my behalf as my payment for my sin that I can never make on my own. And, and God, I'm, I'm believing in my heart that you are God and that, and that you rose from the dead. And that's, that moment in time we call justification, but then sanctification, that's every day for the rest of your life. Exactly. Exactly. And so what do we need to uh, grow up emotionally? Well, we need a sense of belonging. We need to have a group to belong to. Uh, It's sort of like a sub family. Uh, Again, we're not designed to be the Lone Ranger. We're designed to need a sense of belonging. We need a sense of purpose. We need to have a plan for how we can have a a reason for our existence. We need to find out what did God design us as an individual? What did he want us to do? We need to receive and give encouragement to others because when we're giving and receiving encouragement, we're operating in concert with the Holy Spirit who was sent here as our encourager. Mm. We're on the Holy Spirit's team, as as Dr. Gordon Fee said, if you're an encourager, you're on the Holy Spirit's team if you're an encourager in other men's lives. But if you're a discourager, you're on the other team. Oh. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. We could, we could have a whole podcast on that one. Yeah. Um, here's another thing men need to grow up emotionally is to is it's called being known. We need to be known. And I talk to a lot of guys who don't know. Uh, in fact, myself included, a lot of guys who don't know a whole lot of their family history for various reasons. But you can be known as an individual in the present with people in your life who are healthy enough to help you through that and, t- and tell things to you about who you are as you do for them reciprocally. You can teach each other. You can be known over a process of spending time and being real. It's just like time and being real over and over and yeah. over. It creates a being known, a sense of belonging, sense of purpose, sense of encouragement. And then you have to need, you need the accountability. We need to have guys, you know, I run three pastors groups each week and I would hate to go into those pastors groups next week and say, you know what? I did this really terrible thing. I had this moral failure. I, I cussed at my wife or something. I would be, I would be mortified to walk into my pastor's groups and tell them that I did something like that. So guess what? I don't do stuff like that. Yeah. That's called accountability. Yeah. I'd like to tell you that I don't do those things because I want to be a nice guy, but (laughs) I don't do them because I don't want to have to face the music. Yeah. You've built around yourself 
a support network, a structure. Yeah. Right. To keep you from drifting too far off course. Yeah. Right. And that's something that men who are isolated don't have. I really like how you said it's being real over time. Yeah. Right. It's being real and it's time. Yeah. And as you said that, I was immediately thinking back to like some of like my oldest friends in men's alliance. Right. Um, the guys who I've been doing men's alliance with for six years. Yeah. Right. And this is how I see it be, being different from like the traditional model of like um, what churches call accountability groups where you, you meet over breakfast and, and you say, Hey, I messed up this week. Right. Right. Because, you know, as Stephen Mansfield says, that requires me to know what's wrong with me and then to tell you about it. Whereas this other being real over time, yeah, that's where they know you that's it. well enough. They can see it. That's it. Right. I think about, you know, um, chief who we've had on this podcast who's been with me since the very first men's Alliance, right? He and I, we've been real with each other for six and a half years. Right. And there's, you get the, you get the real over time and he can, he can tell when something's up. He's yep. like, Hey, I haven't, I haven't heard from you in like two or three weeks. Yep. What's going on? And, and vice versa. Right. Good stuff. Cause you can't fake it. If you're in a lot of these traditional accountability groups, you can just lie. Oh yeah. You can just show up and say, yep, I'm fine. Everything's good. Cause that guy doesn't really know you anyway. That's right. And he doesn't necessarily really care. Let's, let's talk about ask care escort for just a minute. Sure. Uh, in the military, there, there's an acronym ACE, A-C-E, and you and I have talked about it before at some presentations yep. that, that we did. So if you want to um, uh, be uh, in someone's life in a meaningful way that's productive along the lines we're talking, then think about the the acronym ACE. Ask him what's going on, like Dave just uh, talked about with his friend. Mm -hmm. and, and But it requires knowing a guy pretty well what's going on. And then C is care, actually care enough to listen. Yeah. Cause a lot of people ask questions. They don't want the answer. That's so, your water, by the way. Thank you. So <laughs> ask care. And then maybe the hardest part is escort. So if you ask a guy how he's doing and you care enough to listen and he tells you, then do something. Yeah. You know, get him with another buddy, maybe get him with his pastor, maybe sit down with him and his wife, or maybe, take him to a hospital if he's suicidal mm -hmm. or he's super depressed, whatever it takes, but ask care escort. Yeah, that's it's right. Sometimes you, if you ask and you care, you might hear something so big right. come out that you don't just turn and say, see ya and go get in your truck after that. It's like, Hey, if you're going to ask and you're going to listen and you're going to care, then you got to follow through. Exactly. And, and sometimes that means, hey, let's go talk to this guy. And and the friend that you're trying to help might be mad at you. Then maybe he'll be mad at you the rest of his life, but you've done the right thing. So some guys, you know, you try to help them and it doesn't work out the way you thought it would. Mm -hmm. And he might distance from you because you're real and he's not. So he might distance from you after that, but you've done the right thing. Again, there's that difference between being a nice guy and a great man. Right. Exactly right. Um, one one last thing I wanted to say is that 
over 50 years of criminology research, uh, they've discovered what probably is intuitive, probably is common sense. But the vast majority of men incarcerated in maximum security prisons, almost all of them grew up without a dad. Yeah. And we all know that. We know that uh, there's a lot of young men growing up without a dad. So here's that's another thing is to, um, you know, in its place, in its perspective, in your time and energy that you have is to be available for your nephews or maybe your neighbor's kid uh, to to look. You know, there are kids watching your life that you don't even realize are watching your life. But to go out of your way to be kind and thoughtful to another young man who may or may not be getting that from any male person. That's good. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Mike about mental health and American men and specifically, is it possible for us to become the men that God designed us to be right after this? Has money gotten in the way of you being used by God? If your lack of financial guidance is holding you back from taking bold risks for God, then the main street group can help contact Tom Love, call sign Doc from Tuckahoe Tribe and Craig Hia to sharpen yourself financially. Their email is in the show notes. They will give you thoughts on what you have going on regardless of your financial situation. My wife and I use them and I can personally tell you that their knowledge assistance with our personal finances knocked our socks off. Meeting with them was a game changer. So this isn't just a paid ad. I use them personally and I would tell you to do the same even if they weren't sponsors. Tom and Craig are fee-only fiduciaries at the Main Street Group. Tom is a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. They use Charles Schwab to manage client assets. Tom has been recognized as the number two advisor in the Richmond Times-Dispatch, number one in Style Weekly, and a top 40 under 40 advisor in the country. He's also been recognized in the Wall Street Journal, Fortune, and Forbes Magazine as a top advisor in Richmond. God saved Tom physically and spiritually. He's the reason for his success. Make sure you mention Men's Alliance when you reach out, and they will invest the first year of your fees back into Men's Alliance. That's right. It's part of their mission to invest in bringing men closer to Christ through this ministry. Their office is here in Virginia, but they can serve clients all over the world. This is truly a tribesman supporting and sharpening other tribesmen. Dave Ramsey and Charles Schwab are separate entities from the Main Street Group. Past performance on investments or services doesn't guarantee future results. And if you'd like for your business to advertise on the Men's Alliance podcast, simply email us at info at mensalliancetribe.com. All right, welcome back. And I'm here with Mike Flynn on part two of Mental Health and American Men. And Mike, we talk a lot about in Men's Alliance uh, becoming the husbands, fathers, and leaders that God designed us to be. You've started off by talking about how we're all broken. Right. Is that even possible? Can we can we truly become what God designed us to be? How does that work? Yeah. You know, I had a chance to speak at the chapel at uh, Fork Union uh, Military Academy some time ago, and I, I talked to those young cadets about be the man God designed you to be before the world messed you up. Mm. And most of the boys up there, you know, maybe, I don't know the percentage, but a lot of them have had behavioral problems. A lot of them have come from broken families, fatherless homes, homes with a lot of conflict. 
and so they're they're messed up but but so are so are we in our own way and so were our parents uh there used to be a church down uh down in midlothian turnpike uh, that the pastor got up in front of 1100 people one night when i was there and he said you know what we're all jacked up <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's how it is guys that's that's being real to admit that to yourself and to talk about a life in in that way so can we get back to figuring out who God wanted us to be? Well, understanding the truth, having realistic expectation of ourself and people that we're in relationship with. And by the way, having realistic expectations of, of ministry leaders like mm-hmm. yourself, Dave, and any other ministry leader that some guy listening may be looking up to, be realistic and pray for that guy. He's a human being. And even though most of us who are under the leadership of a ministry leader— we want our guy to be perfect. We don't want him to be have problems. He ain't. He ain't. <laughs> As they say in AA, there's a God and it ain't me. Yeah, that's right. I think, men, we, we tend to idolize and, and uh, hero worship and put guys on pedestals. And that'll only ever lead you to disappointment. And if your theology is bad, it can even lead you to walking away from Christ, right? If you think that I'm I'm a Christian because this guy's such a great speaker, this guy's such a great right. pastor, this guy's such a great leader, author, whatever. And then you're going to find out that that guy has has screwed up. Yeah. You can't let that shake your faith. Your faith wasn't based on that guy. That that's exactly right. And there are and and ministries uh just like leaders, ministries come and go and you have to be uh, steady enough in your emotional and spiritual maturity to go through that. And to take take the next step. So, so sure. Let's let me tell you about a class I took in nineteen, um, uh, probably nineteen seventy when I got out of the army. Um, I was at a, I was a philosophy major at Virginia Commonwealth University. All right. And and I wanted to study philosophy and and theology. And I'd already studied theology at Houghton College, and then I studied philosophy at VC when I got out of the army. And I took a class that was co-taught by an atheist and a Christian. Mm. It was a fascinating philosophy. There was a room full of maybe a hundred students. And one of the professors talked about something that we all know about, and that's the sperm and the egg. We mm-hmm. know what, you know, how that happens. And, and we know what that, what comes from that. And he said, now you can look at life this one of two ways. When a, when, when a man ejaculates, there's millions of sperm one sperm impregnates one egg and that becomes you. Mm-hmm. Now you can decide, Hey, I'm a random result of one stronger sperm getting to the egg. I'm just some, I'm just the result of a random event that mm-hmm. happened between my mom and dad. Or you can say, you know what? One specific sperm fertilized one egg and that made me, that's not random. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, everything following that event isn't random. So, if you ha- were the reason, however this works, guys, you can take it up with God when you talk to Him. It's sovereign will. I don't know how it works. You could be the result of a rape. You could be the result of a an affair. You could be the result of two people who hated each other but just had sex one night. Mm-hmm. And God has a purpose and a specific design for your life, for yeah. who you are as an individual. 
Now, you can either live your life that way or you can think, I'm just random. That wasn't supposed to happen. I'm a mistake. I'm a bastard. I'm an illegitimate child. You can have whatever set of thoughts you want in your head about you. But I choose to believe that that you are specially made, specifically mm-hmm. made, and that God had a plan before the world messed you up. So, so now you, if you can start out with that, if you can think about that and learn from that, that's pretty powerful. That's so powerful. You know, Einstein said there's two ways to view the world. One is as if nothing is a miracle, and the other is as if everything is a miracle. And I've always liked that. And, you know, when we talk about becoming the man God designed you to be, there's an implication in that statement, right? The implication is that you are designed. Right. Right. You're not uh, random, Mm -hmm. right? There was an artist that carefully designed you. That's right. Right. And, And you're not a mistake and you have a purpose and you're unique, right? And I think God wired each of us a little different. He gave each of us different interests, but also different skills and abilities. And when we kind of start to tap into that and figure out how am I wired? Right. How am I made? What am I better at than other guys? Right. Right. And then I think that's how we get a glimpse of, well, maybe maybe that's a hint at, at what maybe I'm designed to do. Maybe I'm designed to do something a little different. I've got this skill set that I don't see every other guy having. Right. Right. Maybe you're better with, with numbers and God's wired you to, to be, you know, an, an accountant, you know, and, and that stuff interests you and you want to do it and you love doing it and you're good at it, man, you're designed different from me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But, But that's a very important person to have when we need them. Right. We absolutely need them. Yeah. Right. And so I think this is an important part of, you know, you're not, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Right. We've all got our brokenness. We live in a flawed world. Um, but but you're, you're still have a purpose and a design, as you said, by an artist. That's exactly right, man. This is so good. So Mike, I want to ask you, um, what are the components of resiliency? When we talk about mental health, we need to be resilient. What what does that mean? How do we get that? What are the components of it? You know, one component of bouncing back, uh, going back into shape, like if you press down on a balloon and you let go of it, 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 it does it come back to its original shape, is to realize that you've been through tough times before. And before your traumatic event that you're dealing with, you've survived other hard things. And you've seen other people and learned from other people and you've watched them. Like I was talking about, there are children watching your life that you don't even know. And so you watched people's lives and you saw some people fall apart and some people bounce back. And so think about that. Think about what you've learned, seen others do. And when, when you've actually done it, I'm going to tell a quick story about a man named Doug Grote. And, and some people in Richmond will remember Doug was a recreational leader at Cool Springs Baptist Years ago, great guy, uh, had a terrible tragedy in his life where his daughter died. And I remember speaking at a church uh, about a year later after that event. And Doug and I were talking about to the church about depression and anxiety. And Doug, who's everybody knew his tragedy, he got up and he said, 
hey, uh, moms and dads, you know what I've been through and what my family has suffered. But w- let me tell you something. When your 13-year-old girl comes home from school and she, her boyfriend has dumped her, that's her tragedy. And I want you to realize, I don't want you to minimize the mm. things that seem little to you because they're real and big to that person. Yeah, that's And good. so in your own life, you bounce back from a lot of junk that happened to you. And that's going to help you to understand, I can get through this too with the help of other people. Maybe if you're an adult and you're having, you need to be resilient from a traumatic event, maybe you need to get in with a counselor or your and or, and or not one or the other, your best one or two buddies. Not maybe, but you probably do. Mm-hmm. And you need to receive that help at that point that later on, you'll be able to help the next guy who needs to be resilient. You'll be his source of encouragement but you can experience it in your own life. Man. What, um, what role do you think sleep, nutrition, and physical exercise play in great. a man's resiliency, especially when it comes to depression? Yeah, great question. Sleep balance. And I just talked to an ADD uh, expert the other day, and I consider myself pretty knowledgeable about ADD. And she said that, you know, sleep is really right up at the top and uh, establishing to the best of your ability, consistent sleep patterns. Every human being needs to sleep. Yeah. And but if you have if you have uh, depression, you have anxiety, you have ADD, you have trauma, you need to regulate your life to have as consistent sleep. You don't want to oversleep. Yeah. You don't want to give into it and just uh, pull the blinds but you need to get proper rest and then move in the body. When you're depressed and you're upset, when you're grieving, there's nothing better than moving the body. And I always say, walk and talk, walk and talk, have somebody with you. It's a great time to be real when you're facing forward side by side. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier, but it's whether it's your, your, your male buddy, your wife, your kid, walk and talk and move that body. And it's therapeutic. It, it helps you to heal. It helps you to think. It helps you to be creative in problem solving. You need to be a creative problem solver to be emotionally uh, mature in mm-hmm. life. Man, I think, you know, I, I spent a lot of years doing swimming and biking and running. And one of the things that all three of those have in common is it's almost impossible to talk to somebody while you're while you're cycling or yeah, swimming right. and running is hard. But when you're walking, and talking or my favorite is rucking. Yeah. Right. Right. You just put a bunch of heavy weight in a backpack and yeah. go for a walk. Now you got a full body workout going, but it's social. Right. I enjoy doing it because I talk with guys and boy, at the end of that, not only have you gotten a workout, but you've grown closer to this person. Exactly. And, and, and you feel better. And you've had an experience to, together of whatever you saw. Because yeah. when you're out walking around, stuff happens. You yeah. see a copperhead yeah. or you see somebody almost have a wreck or you yeah. you have an experience. But let's talk about the other another thing, and that is obesity. Okay. That is poor nutrition. Yeah. And, yes, it's expensive to eat healthy. It takes more money and more time and more intentionality to eat healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. But it costs a lot of money to be sick, too. <laughs> Yeah, that takes a lot of time and money. You cannot be the man God created you to be and have unnecessary illness. Mm. Now, people get sick for things that they didn't have any control over. I absolutely know that. Yeah. But a lot of people are sick 
because they don't take care of themselves properly. And so they're offline from being a dad, a husband, or a buddy mm. because they're ill. They're not healthy. They don't have energy. So what you eat, and I, I'm all about fitness, but what you eat is more important than, than exercise. Yeah. Exercise is extremely important. Sleep, nutri- uh, hydration. Yeah. But um, what you put in your mouth, and you know, it's so simple in a way in the home. You can't mm-hmm. eat it if it's not in your cabinet or refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. in, however, I do know that people who are obese sneak uh, self-comfort food when they're out away from the home. Mm-hmm. And they get the they get dry, the drive-through and grab it and nobody sees you. You probably hope nobody sees you with the fries. And uh, so having accountability, you know, letting somebody know, hey, I'm trying to maintain my weight. Uh, now, there's nothing like a heart attack. Well, actually, 80% of people who have heart attacks don't change their lifestyle. Can you believe it? Wow. Now, I was one of the 20% who didn't have enough courage to not obey the doctor. I, <laughs> I was one of the 20% who said, okay, I had a heart attack. My doctor said, eat right. I said, yes, sir. Yeah. Where do I sign up for that? And I do eat right. Yeah. And I do exercise because I was told that that's going to extend my life. And so I'm, I'm a compliant patient. But 80% of people, can you believe it, have a heart attack and don't change their lifestyle. Yeah, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so what that guy needs is he needs a good swift kick in the butt yeah. on a daily basis from his buddies. And then he's going to kick them back. You know, that's the loving, you know, you know, the old Proverbs. Yeah. The the, the, uh, the wounds of a friend are, are like gold. Yeah. The kisses of an enemy are destruction. We all know that one. You know, I was just, um, I just overheard um, watching, watching a video online this week. So I haven't, you know, full disclosure, I, I'm not quoting the the study here um but that physical exercise is more beneficial for depression within the context of depression than talk therapy and medication what if you did all three (laughs) yeah exactly you don't have to pick one right you do it all do it all right like i tell people you know like if you're um if you're at war with another country which weapons do you want to use all of them yeah all of them, right? You don't, you, you don't like have a good weapon and not use it. As, as a, a military guy just told me the other day, never send a man into a fair fight. That's right. <laughs> you gotta, so guys, if, when we're fighting things like depression, anxiety, you shouldn't be listening to this and be thinking like, oh, I'm doing that one. So that's good. I don't need to do this one or this right. one, right? It's like, no, you got to do all of it. You get yourself out of isolation. You, you're, you find a band of brothers, you, you connect, you open up, you are real. You tell them about your struggles. You read scripture every morning, wake up and get into the word. Yep. Right. You exercise, you get sleep, you fuel your body properly. You, all these things, right. It's amazing how, when I'm talking with, um, with a person and they're struggling with either anxiety or depression, and I ask them about how's their sleep there, they usually laugh. Yeah right? Oh, it's, it's not, it's terrible. Right. And what are you, what are you eating? What'd you have this morning? What'd you have last night? Right. And it's, it's always the same story. It's, um, they're not eating well, they're not sleeping well. They're spending tons of time on screens. They have no close friends. Uh, they're not real with anybody. You know, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Boom, 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 boom. It's like, well, listen, you can't, get healthy in one area right and be unhealthy in the other like you were mentioning the spiritual and the emotional exactly right yeah and you you and so someday i'd like to do a podcast with you about emotional intimacy 
Yeah. And, but you can't even get close to that until you get some of these things we talked about this morning going. Yeah. So that's a great point to end on um, the intimacy part. When you're not doing any of these things and all these things are out of whack in your life, guys, and you're not sleeping well and you're not eating well and you're not exercising and you're battling anxiety and depression and you don't have any close friends and you're not in a band of brothers, you know what else you're not going to have is you're not going to have a good sex life. That's right. And you're not going to have, uh, you're not going to be uh, honoring your marriage vows, by the way. If you don't have the things Dave just listed, you are breaking your wedding vows. Wow. Guys, let's be men who start to pull themselves up in, in each small area a little bit at a time to become the men that God designed us to be. And let's be real about that with our buddies. Yes. And in so doing, encouraging them to do the same, right? Let's become tribesmen who are fulfilling the mission of Men's Alliance in becoming the husbands, fathers, and leaders God designed us to be one incremental step at a time. And everyone out there listening, pray for Dave Mills. Pray for the other ministry leaders in your life because God has a mission for them, and it's your job to encourage them, and praying for them is to encourage them. Wow, thank you. Yes, please do pray for me. I could use it. Um, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, God is growing this ministry. We're reaching more men. Every week, this podcast is reaching more men. It's fantastic. And we're talking about important things. We're talking about things guys need to guys need to hear. We need to hear it. We need to remind ourselves of it, right? Um, and so be praying for each other. Be praying for your leaders in your tribe. And uh, pray for me as well. Guys, if this two-part podcast on mental health has um, maybe uncovered something or opened up a can of worms in your life, um, you need to talk to somebody about it, right? Um, at the very least, shoot us an email and we can help point you towards the resources in your area. If you're struggling with one of these issues, if you're struggling with suicide, reach out to somebody, be real about it. If you're struggling with anxiety, depression, loneliness, addiction, reach out to somebody, talk about it, be real. As soon as you're real, you just give permission to the other guys around you to be exactly. real. Exactly. And one resource quickly that you might want to write down is American Association of Christian Counselors. They have counselors all over America, and I believe you can put your zip code in and you can find a counselor in your zip code, American Association of Christian Counselors. Yeah, that's uh, Dr. Tim Clinton, who we had on the podcast a couple months ago. So great resource, and we will put that in the show notes. Guys, all kinds of resources out there for us to use. We're foolish if we're not using them. It's like fighting without using your best weapons. All right. So guys, take advantage of this stuff. Mike, thank you for being on the podcast. Great conversation with you. Man, I look forward to seeing you around the fire soon. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Men's Alliance podcast. Find your tribe at mensalliancetribe.com, or maybe you're the man to start one in your area. And send us your questions or comments to info at mensalliancetribe.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
and we look forward to seeing you around the fire soon.